Hey, I'm Kim Short, and it's time to get your podcast on. Welcome to What Led Her Here, exploring the defining experiences of women's lives. My guest today is the awakened Daniela Hines. Daniela is a sacred sexual healer, self-love coach, and co-author of The Courage to Change, working with men and women to rewrite the stories they have around their bodies using the lessons she's learned around sexual empowerment. Danielle is on a mission to expand hearts and ignite the fire of purpose through pleasure. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm thrilled to have her here today to share her story. Welcome, Daniela. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. I can't wait to dive into this conversation. I think the best place to start might actually be at the end. That sounds a little corny, <laughs> but it's true. And the end of your marriage is what I'm referring to, because I know this was a really pivotal time for you. So I'd love it if you could sort of take us back and talk about how that became the catalyst for some pretty significant change in your life. It really was. It was the absolute door shutting of one life and the opening of a completely different life. The, the two versions of who I am as a human are so significantly different. The person that I was in my marriage before everything ended was deeply sad. I had created a life of everything. I had the money, the house, the, the cars, the children, the husband, all of the things. <laughs> I was what we would call Facebook perfect and full of misery. Uh, I had no idea that there was any other way to be. And so in comes this new life. My marriage ends, that falls away. I work with him. That's my, my whole life is wrapped around creating his life. And I hadn't actually realized I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I liked. I didn't even know what TV shows to watch when I wasn't with him. I did not know who I was. And so that catalyzed everything into this snowball of discovery. And I, I just decided to live in a less fearful way. And I moved into my slut phase where I just found pleasure in all the places. Um, I moved into the world of indulgence and curiosity about what's possible because all of a sudden I realized that I had been living this life that wasn't for me. And although I didn't know exactly what me was at that point, I knew that it wasn't for me. And yeah, once I was able to turn forward instead of facing back and get over that period of misery, everything changed. Everything changed for me. That is very powerful. Um, there are so many things that are coming to mind that mm -hmm. I want to touch on, but I, I want to make sure I touch on one thing in particular, and that is the reaction I get when, and we talked about this <laughs> when we, when we did our pre-interview and you, yeah. you mentioned the slut phase and I mm -hmm. had this reaction of, oh my God, don't use that word. And then I said, you know what? <laughs> I think that kind of reaction warrants a questioning and exploration, if you will, of why I had that reaction. And I think it's mm -hmm. because that word is so stigmatized and so mm -hmm. deeply rooted in the control of women or the, you know, the putting mm -hmm. down of women. So I had yes. this like, oh, this awful reaction. And you and I love the way you explained it to me. So if you could please like tell me how you sort of reclaimed that word and, and, and why you mm -hmm. use that that term. 
Yeah. Oh, I love the word and I own it fully. I also used to be a person on the other side who cringed at the word and felt judgment around it. But the phase of owning my own sexuality and offering it as I wanted to, as I chose to in my own pleasure was a complete awakening of being in the driver's seat of my life, right? Like I had no control over my pleasure of my own volition. I did this to myself. I own the normalized misery that I was in. I own that. But moving into the freedom and owning the the word slut and really allowing it to move in your body and be, okay, it's mine. I move in that word from a place of choice and there is nothing anyone can call me or say to me or take from me from this empowered place of freedom. I knew exactly what I was doing. My partners knew what I was doing. I was open and in full discovery and learning to love my body and learning all the skills that different people could bring to me. I mean, I was 39 years old when I had my second lover. I knew nothing about anything. And so this world was a lot of fun for me for a while. And I think the word slut is fun and energetic and playful and not one that could ever be used against me in any way. I love owning the word. So tell me what that word sort of means for you, because just from what you're saying, it it sounds like a word of exploration. It sounds like a Mm. word of pleasure. It sounds like a word of playfulness. And it certainly sounds like a word that is very opposite of the life that you lived prior to (laughs) the age of 39. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It is a word of choice. It is a word of self-control, self-indulgence, self-reliability. We get to choose as that person in control of my body. I decide who gets to taste, who gets to touch. And maybe it's just through flirting. Maybe it's just through play. And maybe I move into full whatever I want. It's entirely what I want at any moment. It is light. And it is empowering to be fully in choice with your sexuality, where you want to bring it, whether you want to be in your cardigan or you want to be naked. It is entirely your choice, how you show up in your body. And I think the word slut doesn't really hold sexual intercourse as its core. It's the freedom that it offers and the choice that we can move into in our lives in all ways. I want to be a slut in all places in my life. I want to move towards my pleasure in all ways. I want the best in all spaces. I love that you were able to open up and explore that part of yourself because I Mm. think a lot of women don't do that. And you had accepted this life that you had before, right? And like you said, it was this Facebook you know, perfect Facebook <laughs> image. And I think a lot of women can relate to that. You know, mm-hmm. you have this as, as a previous guest, my friend, Danny, she talked about the checklist life. And I think that applies. Ooh, to I, right? I listened to that one. Yes. Yeah. And it's all totally. about, you know, checking off those boxes that are the, the shoulds. I should get married. I should have mm-hmm. kids. I should, 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 should. But then the happiness and the freedom sometimes mm-hmm. take a back seat to this picture perfect life that lacks some level of joy and authenticity. Yep. So take us back to like, cause I can't imagine this decision was easy or maybe there did come a point when 
it became super clear to you, but like, take us back and tell us about how you, first of all, had that awareness come to you that this life isn't working. And then how you moved through that to that place of decision where you were like, I need to make this change. Oh, so I didn't really make the choice. It was brought to me as an ultimatum. Um, my marriage ended in a very convoluted fashion. We decided to open up at the very end and move into polyamory and move into an open marriage and what that would look like. And, and we tried it for six weeks and it was an epic fail, like on every level, but we were coming to it from a place of cheating and you know, lack of faith and rules that made no sense and, you know, control trying to be placed on all of it. And it didn't work. And in the end, he fell in love. And I'm super happy that he found that experience because I, I couldn't create that for him. I didn't love him the way that I know that she does. And I didn't have that in me, but I sure as hell wasn't leaving. I hung on to the very last moment, everything was taken away from me piece by piece. I accepted this and then there, I, I could have a little bit less. And then I accepted another layer. Oh, but I was going to get a little bit less attention, a little bit less time. Oh, but I was going to stay because, because I couldn't leave. I couldn't leave this thing that I knew. Um, we were together 23 years. I didn't know anything else at 16. I dove headfirst and wanted nothing but his happiness. And that's how I found my value. It doesn't work that way. Our lives can't be created for somebody else. We need to love ourselves first and foremost. So I didn't make the choice to leave until everything was taken away from me. And there was no respect left and there was no love left for me. And then I said, after receiving all of that, I finally was able to say, okay, I, I really can't, I can't do this with so little love coming in my direction. And I finally just pivoted into myself and started to love myself. And all of our patterns were riding. We were children when we met. We didn't know how to relate as adults. So much of the direction that I've gone in and the education that I've taken, I am polyamorous now. I have more than enough love for one human. I live that way but I learned how to do it. I went and did the research. I, I read the books. I played in it with different partners and I learned what I like and what I don't like and how I want to love. I'm a relationship anarchist. I really believe in just following your pleasure and negotiating what that looks like within boundaries in any direction. And I couldn't do that from within my relationship. I didn't even understand how to follow my pleasure. That, that wasn't a thing. Misery was fully ingrained. Structure was fully ingrained. What everyone was going to think about me was way more important than what was actually happening in my life. I had no sense of self within that space. I was completely lost. I love that you use the word boundaries. And I think that is so important in designing a life that works for you, regardless of mm. like you said, like, because a lot of times we can get caught up in what people think of us, right? But releasing that and creating boundaries so that you can find joy and pleasure in your life is so important. Can you tell me mm -hmm. more about, about the boundaries that you've put in place that help you live that life that brings you the most joy and pleasure? I love that you've incorporated <laughs> tons of pleasure. I think that is 
freaking awesome. (laughs) (sighs) So uh, boundaries, they start with me. So they start with how I negotiate my behavior within my own life for me. How do I show up for myself? And so that's really how how I started this journey of how I could relate with other people in a healthy way. It was creating those boundaries within myself. And so eating healthy, exercising, creating boundaries around how much downtime, how much TV I watch, how much, you know, I move in spaces that are good for me versus not good for me, really evaluating what's good for me and what's not good for me. What indulgences leave me feeling good the next day and what ones leave me feeling absolutely horrendous. And I don't want to go there again and creating those boundaries of how I want to live and show up for myself. And then I know how I want to be treated, right? Because I'm not going to let myself off the hook showing up for myself. And I expect exactly the same of anybody that comes into relationship with me. And so the boundaries are negotiated in desire. But as far as my expectations, I know that I need this amount of communication. I know that I can't be ignored for two days. That doesn't feel good in my heart. But also don't text me five times in a day because that doesn't feel good either. Right. So I know how to negotiate my time boundaries. I intend to live alone for a really long time. I love my own space, but I want lovers to come and stay and live with me for periods of time to come for weekends and to be in that space. And I play in all of those spaces with each relationship that comes into my life. I love that you said you'd be letting yourself down if you don't have those boundaries. And I really wanted to say that again, because it's, I want women to hear that. It's one thing to let other people down, but if you're letting yourself down, that's the worst, (laughs) right? It really is. Don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about the pleasure that you've been able to explore in this, I'll say, quote unquote, new life of yours. Mm -hmm. I want to hear all about the pleasure. And I know that other ladies want to hear all about the pleasure as well. So tell us, like, I mean, because why not explore that part of yourself, right? I feel like. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So Pleasure started from, you know, ending my marriage and looking for men that caused any kind of sensation in my body and desire. Um, at At the beginning, it really was just, you know, anyone that said I was pretty and that would, you know, make me move in. get onto my back and move in that direction because I just needed some level of affirmation. I needed someone to tell me that I was special. And then slowly I started to realize that that actually didn't work. I didn't feel special even when they told me I was special. And so I started to move out of that and I started to learn how to touch my own body. And when I gave up on anybody else being the instructor for my body is when I really began to find pleasure. I started to touch myself in different ways. And around when that journey started was actually when Tantra came into my life. Mm -hmm. I was invited to a workshop. It was a Neo-Tantra workshop on shame. So I had no idea what I was up for. I I went in with this preconceived notion of who I was and thinking that I was solid, um, that I held no shame. I was a good person. I was a good mom. I was a good blah, blah, blah. And I discovered how much shame was in my body. It was awful. I was ashamed of so many parts of my body. I was ashamed of different behaviors that I had. I was ashamed that I loved the weekends that I didn't have my children. 
I held all of that so deep in my body that I didn't actually have access to my pleasure. But as I began to learn to shake out the shame, to connect with the, the true feelings, connect <laughs> with the different parts of me that I didn't like, my like intense spaces that I can show up in, I was able to actually feel more sensation in my body and more connection. And as I began to clear deeper and deeper, getting deeper into Tantra, learning more about breath work, learning more about um, different tools like yoni eggs and, and those pieces, I started to heal myself sexually. I started to find my own space of pleasure, how to draw it in and how to use it in my day-to-day practices to be big and to show up fully in my knowing of the power that my sexuality holds. I I'm really fucking potent. And I bring that with me everywhere I go. And I really, my sexuality at its core is the base of that. It's, it's what feeds me and how I relate with the world is, is through pleasure. And when I'm looking for new work, uh, I'm working with a photographer right now. It's about how do I feel when I'm in this space? I feel pleasure. I feel so much joy and contribution. And, and so following those directions, that's where my pleasures come from. I love what you talked about, about the energy and feeling that energy and allowing that to guide you, right. In terms Mm -hmm. of, you know, if this is feeling like a good space, if it's bringing me pleasure and joy, then this is a place where I want to be. And if not, then saying no, thank you. I, I would love if women would tap into that. Mm-hmm. Right. And instead yes. of sometimes we ignore or poo poo those feelings, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, well, this is what we have to do, or we committed to this, or we should do this. And it's not always convenient to make a choice or a change, or it doesn't, really always, doesn't always feel right at first, but it's listening to the intuition and, and that feeling of that energy can always guide us, right, in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a big part of what I teach is, is really learning what your body's yes and no feels like Oh, when you are a fuck. Yes. What does that feel like in your body? There is so much wisdom held inside our bodies that we really shouldn't be relying on our brains, which are so full of stories and limiting beliefs and all of these places that, that trap us in our, you know, quote unquote, knowing when, when we rely on our bodies, there's truth. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't have to cut through anything. It's all there. And if there is fear and reaction to someone, you can investigate that. It might just be that they were a cologne that you've smelled somewhere that you were scared before. It could just be that, or maybe that person isn't in alignment with you. Either way, you trust the feelings that you have and you explore them. They don't lead you wrong in my experience. That's been my journey is really learning to trust my body's reaction in every situation. 100%. I couldn't agree more. I I definitely feel that in my own body. I teach my daughters to, to do the same. I teach them to trust that feeling that whatever we, whatever, however you refer to it, right. The inner voice Mm -hmm. or the gut feeling, right. You know, when something's not right, you know, it, if you're, if you're open to paying attention to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, sometimes it'll start 
as, as a quiet, like we've said before, like a quiet little whisper or, mm-hmm. you know, and then it'll get louder and louder and louder. And it, it will, it will find its way to you, right. 100%. From, from your body to your brain. Cause like you were saying, the brain sometimes takes a little while to catch up, mm-hmm. but, uh, but it will find its way. So if you can learn to recognize yes. what it feels like sooner, then you can use that as a guide. Right. When you, when you notice that first twinge of anxiety, and you go beyond the signal of the anxiety into the question right away, you can clear it super quickly. Mm. When you have no awareness of that, you go so far in until the point that your body is in panic attack mode. It's giving you so much signal. It's still the exact same process of slowing down and going into the story of what, what is your body telling you? Mm. What's happening? Why is your body reacting this way? It's the same process. It just gets a hell of a lot easier when you've been doing it for a while and you've taken the time to really learn what each of those feelings are, right? Like I know what my body feels like when I'm around a narcissist. I can connect. I know what that sensation is. I know what my body's like when I'm with someone that has some, you know, sexual potential, right? I feel that, that heat. I know what that is. I know what that excitement is. So I know what a friend is that really doesn't feel like being a friend anymore, that I don't feel received anymore. I know what that feels like when it's time to shut down and I can ignore it for days, weeks, months, years even, and maintain those relationships, but they never bring me anything. I continue to spin and waste my time in them because I feel bad or there's guilt or all of the things. But if you put them down, something else comes and it's always a better thing. In my experience, if I put down the things that aren't feeding me, there's always something else that comes in that is immense and fills that space as I need it, or is at least an up level to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. Yeah, I 100% agree. And not to say that stuff isn't scary, those decisions, right? When oh, you, hell yeah. When you're Super putting scary. down, <laughs> like, right? When you're putting down the stuff that's always been. It's hard to, to trust that if we, if we do listen to our bodies, that we are going to get to a better place. It's hard, but it's worth it. it. It's so worth it it to surrender a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And to just be more in flow rather than forcing something that isn't working. Mm -hmm. But that's why you start with the internal. You start with the small things. You start with noticing how your body feels around different foods. You start noticing what it feels like when you drink enough water. You like you stay internal. You don't do the big, scary things. Don't leave your husband before you know that it's right just because your body might like you take the time to really learn the intricate language of your body. And then you can make big decisions with it. But it's not it's not where you start. Mm. Um, it's That's really good advice. It's a muscle to build. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's such good advice to start with the little things and just learn to trust that mm. intuition, that feeling. <laughs> what I wanted to talk about next is how you talk to your kids about sex, because mm. I have always tried to be really open with my kids. I know not all families are like that, but I feel like it's personally the way to be, uh, Mm -hmm. to keep those lines of communication open and to really take that stigma away from these typically quote unquote taboo subjects. Because I think that stigma just 
stops us from having conversations that are really, really, really important to have, right? We don't want to mm-hmm. keep our kids stuck in the same bullshit that we've, that we <laughs> grew up with, right? So tell yeah. me how you talk to your kids about it, about sex, about pleasure, about all the things. So pleasure for me, for, for them, for our lives, they know that word outside of sexuality. So I talk about following your pleasure for them. It falls more into the joy and the like fun. What is the most fun? That's what they associate the word pleasure with. Right. But it's still a word that is part of our vocabulary. Um, and I think for me, that was an important thing to draw in so that because pleasure is everything, it is not just sex. We kind of tend to just put it in that category, but it's not, it can be part of every part of our lives. Right. And so bringing that in from the beginning was important for me and really just honesty, just complete and utter candid honesty with their questions, whether it's bodily function, whether it's what goes where, whether it's, do you do this? Yeah, baby, I do that. I do that. I like doing that. Um, vibrator being found in my drawer. (laughs) What is it? Well, this is what it is. This is what women use it for, you know, and explaining these things and, and letting them have the saucer eyes and come back to me in an hour and have more questions, right. Or have them come home from things that they say at school and give them space to say, so-and-so said this, what does that mean? Is that true? And explain it with the raw truth of of what it is and share the emotions around sex. It isn't a physical act. Sex is love and it's an expression of love. And that is a big way of how I discuss sex and sexual relation. I love that you're so open with them. I totally, I'm totally on board with, with being honest because when we're not, and when we try to hide, they sense that, right? Mm-hmm. And it just puts up within that relationship, it just puts up a wall. Yes. It's a big responsibility that we have now to, to really instill consent culture and also awarenesses of our desires and what we want and allowing it to be okay to desire whatever you desire. And it's okay for the other to desire whatever they desire. And you are not less than because they don't desire what you desire. You are just you and you are finding people that match your puzzle pieces the way that you want to be matched, right? You want to find people in your life that love to receive the way that you love to give and vice versa in all categories of life. Mm. And I think that that is the interplay in sex and, and relationships that I really want them to learn. Yeah. So tell me how your life is different now that you have explored your sexuality, your pleasure, and that you've designed this life that brings you true joy. Oh, I think the primary difference, if I really was to articulate it, is the level of responsibility that I take for my life. So the old me blamed everyone and all of the ways that they talked to me, treated me, you know, events and like I was a ping pong ball victim from place to place and held no responsibility for how I moved in the world. And now every, like every action I take, I'm taking responsibility for my part in what I'm doing. I'm in the driver's seat of my life. No one else can make me do anything. I move towards what I want and I move towards people that want what I want. Right. And so I am in control of where I show up and how I show up. 
And I'm very empowered at this point would be how I would describe myself. I, I feel like this, I don't always know exactly how to fulfill all my needs, but I know what they are and I know to be open and that they will be fulfilled if I continue to stay open to the possibilities. And back then, I really had no concept of what I needed, nor how to ask for it, nor how to achieve it in any way. That culture of normalized misery that, that we live in day to day, I don't accept that in my life, in any space anymore. Oh, I am feeling it. Speaking of feeling energy, I am so feeling your energy. And when you say you're empowered, I freaking feel that so deeply. And I obviously didn't know you before, mm-hmm. but just to see this woman who's sitting, well, sitting across from me virtually <laughs> um, <laughs> is pretty powerful. I, I love that you have come into this, this amazing woman who you are today. And I think it's, you know, seeing a confident woman, a confident mama is really important for your kids and that's going to make a big impact on them. So mm-hmm. oh, kudos to you. They were a big part of my why and how I ended up here. I hear that. I hear that. I have three daughters and 100%. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me if you could mm-hmm. put your life lesson right now, because I know these things change and mm-hmm. you know, transform over time, but the woman who you are in this moment, what is the life lesson that you have to share with the women who are listening? We are ultimately all in control of our own destinies and we can have anything we want, but it's not an easy path. Both the misery and the joy require work and you just get to choose one or the other. That was beautiful. I mean, I, I don't even have anything to add. That was just <laughs> beautiful just as it was. So tell me what is next for you? What excites you about the future? The, the joy that I have of just faith and abundance and knowing that all the spaces that I'm moving in draw these amazing humans to me. So right now I'm playing and doing photography sessions with this amazing man, Bob Smith, who's really allowing me to explore being nude in front of the camera and and moving in that space with other women and creating sessions around that space. I'm excited about that. And I'm excited about moving into, I've got a new course around dating over 40 and I'm looking forward to producing that and getting that out. And um, I have so many things, so many things. But what I'm most looking forward to is just all the potential that I feel ahead of me. Wonderful. So exciting. (laughs) Um, So uh, are you ready for the final five? Do it. I'm in. Awesome. (laughs) Okay. So these are the same five questions I ask of every guest. And the first one is, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? So it's already a power that I have a little bit of. I would love to be able to feel the exact thing, that key to open the heart that word that someone needs to hear that piece. I just want that thing, that knowing to be able to offer it. That's the superpower that I want. I just want to be able to turn people on. Oh, I love that. When you were a kid, what did you think you'd be when you grew up? (laughs) A veterinarian is way too much science. And I had a lot of uh, limiting beliefs around my intelligence. 
that wasn't a thing for me. <laughs> yeah. If it were your last day on earth, what would your final meal be? Something cooked by a lover. I recently had um, someone make me a bowl of soup that just, it was so filled with love and my heart exploded and I still have some in my fridge. So it's very recent and on my mind. (laughs) So I'm going to say that a bowl of warm soup made with love. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's comfort right there. Mm -hmm. Who is a woman in history or present day you admire? Betty Dobson. I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but she is like a wild woman who or was sadly she's passed, but was teaching sex courses up into her 90s. She was one of the pioneers of saying that every woman can orgasm and this like bullshit story around most of us can't. Yeah, that's not true. We all can. And she proved it. And she led these like massive classes where women came in and they were all doing it together. Oh, yes. I saw her name on your website. I was not familiar with her before. Okay. Um, Another thing I saw on your website, by the way, which was very intriguing was the, and I might be pronouncing it wrong, but the Yoni massage. Yes. Is that how you That's one of the services that I offer. Yeah. I was like, that's interesting. Do you want to just in case uh, people don't know, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so lots of people don't actually know how to create orgasm in their body. So I actually have a lot of women that come to me sometimes later in life that have actually never experienced a full orgasm. And so I teach them the body and we go in and and it's an educational session. Sometimes women just come in and they just want to relax and feel good and they want to move into their pleasure. And it's a full tantric massage. And then we go in and we open and create blood flow through the yoni which is your vulva. Um, And we bring pleasure and we bring in potential of arousal and opening and get you juicy and flowy and really feeling the potential of your pleasure in your body. I love the idea of, I was going to say allowing women, but really it's allowing ourselves, right? With you as a guy Mm -hmm. in this case, right? Um, But I love the idea of women exploring and allowing that, you know, some people have not explored their their physical bodies or their, you know, just their pleasure in general. And it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, I feel like you gotta, Mm -hmm. you gotta do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Some women have never looked in a mirror. Right. So, so so with some clients, I don't even touch them. It's all self-touch, but it's guided self-touch and learning to look at yourself and to feel where the arousal is. And we're filled with erectile tissue, just like men. And we need to swell up for pleasure to come, which is why we shouldn't be going into direct penetration. There's lots of things you need to do first. Foreplay is mandatory if you want to have an orgasm. I hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What is your favorite quote? I have tons, um, but I went and did a little research. Uh, Rumi is someone that I'm currently reading about with my children. And so kind of top of mind and and also someone that really early on dropped so much wisdom for me. So my favorite is never give from the depth of your well, but from your overflow. That was a big learning for me. Yeah. And I mean, if I may say, it seems like you are overflowing. (laughs) (laughs) I am. (laughs) 
I am. Uh, I am very lucky. I am overflowing. Yes. I am not lucky. I have worked hard. I have worked hard to be overflowing. Hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This has been such a fun conversation. And I think it really important for women to hear and to just explore themselves, their pleasure, their bodies, all of that. Just like everybody go do it right now. (laughs) Yes. Go touch yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. (laughs) 